Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the Rugby League Digest. I'm Michael Adams, here with Andrew Paskin. How's it going, Andy? I'm well, mate. How are you? I'm good. You've you've set the cat amongst the pigeons this week on Twitter, so I thought uh, it was cause for an emergency podcast. Nothing gets people riled up, it seems, more than immortal talk. So uh, there, there's been a lot of discussion on Twitter this week uh, about the immortal, so we thought we'd get together and, and thrash it out in this forum. Yeah, it was, um, it was a good discussion online, and, and it proves yet again uh, like the necessity for this waiting period because there's so many different opinions on it and and all of them have got valid points well let's start there the the reason it came up was peter valandi's making a comment that the five-year waiting period could be waived to enshrine cameron smith immediately and what what did you make of that i I can't believe he's actually considering it it's like uh, to me it must be a troll or something because the guy's so in tune with the man on the street and and that's why he's so good at you know getting his pop his popularity over so i can't believe that he's considering it i mean you could view it cynically and say maybe it was just to keep you know rugby league front and center in people's minds but you know at the time we're recording this we've got a deciding origin encounter tonight like surely it could have waited till next week if that was the aim the the thing yeah the thing that came to mind with me was who's asking for this no one. <laughs> like, you know, like it Bob? just came out of it, it came out of nowhere with with like no impetus for it. There's, it's not like something's broken in the system that he's trying to remedy. Like I think across the game, everyone is happy with the system as it currently is in place. Um, <laughs> it's, I didn't even think of that. Who's asking for it? Cause it um, yeah, perhaps Telegraph journalists. Maybe I don't know. Just- but, um, it actually might be a favour for a journalist, possibly because uh, you know it does rile people up and gets people talking. So, and and there seems to be it's coming out this week a lot of antipathy between Cameron Smith and sections of the media. So that's been a big story in the press. So yeah, maybe it is linked. I'm not sure. I've never seen a guy as decorated as him reviled so much. I mean, maybe he is a, a bit of a jerk off the field or something. But I mean, there's been a million jerks in rugby league. And the thing is, there's not that much evidence for it. Like he's been scandal-free. I mean, there's obviously the you know the salary cap and people wondering how implicated he personally is. There's been a, a couple of unsubstantiated rumors over the years, but you know, there's never been like a you know drug or alcohol scandal or you know violence or anything like that. Like he seems to have lived a pretty clean and and private life you well know? I, was, I wasn't even speaking of scandals i was speaking more of personality like um we, um we have a current immortal graham changer langlands who's, who's known as one of the worst blokes ever so i mean if bad blokes are a problem yeah i mean i i don't get it uh let, let's talk a bit about smith later in the episode 
Uh, and the other thing that struck me about the the furor that's that Volandis has, has wrought with you know his announcement during the week is it just emphasizes what terrible custodians of their own history the NRL has been. Like for a start, not owning the Immortals mm. concept until the demise of Rugby League Week, it means like from the start they don't own the narrative about greatness in their own game that's the role of a media organization secondly having a hall of fame but up until recently doing nothing at all with it so it's so buried as a concept that in many people's eyes the immortals is still the only enshrinement of rugby league greatness i mean the hall of fame in every other sport nba nfl uh, the, the, uh, basically all the American sports, even the WWE, the Hall of Fame is more revered than the NRL one and we've got such great players in it that it's disgraceful. And this is what I hate. Like the debate should be moving away from Immortals to the Hall of Fame. Like as you saw this week, all you do is have people arguing online about established greats of the game that everyone agrees is one of the all-time greats. You know, like the debate shouldn't be whether JT is an Immortal. The debate should be you know, is Ryan Girdler a Hall of Famer? You know, that's where the debate needs to get to publicly. Yeah, it's just, it's not even on the radar, is it? Yeah. And and the the, the fact that Volandi's brought it up in this way, it just, it's another way of underselling the Hall of Fame as a concept when we need to boost it. Uh, yeah, I'd like to get to the bottom of why he brought it up. That would be the most interesting point. But <laughs> it just could become a smoke screen of uh, fans arguing about players. <laughs> exactly. And, and now we're going to be massive hypocrites because instead of talking about the Hall of Fame, we're going to spend some time talking about the Immortals and what is an Immortal and, and who should get in. So I, I want to start with talk discussing Immortals as a concept and trying to put into words what an immortal is. I, I thought you had some great statements on the subject on Twitter during the week. So do you want to, uh, you know, give your basic assessment of what is an immortal? Well, I think these statements were probably even yours in our discussion on um, on the immortals, which is on our YouTube from many, many years ago on the weekly show when we had a segment on the immortals. And it's a, it's a, it's a hard listen production-wise, but it's a great content. Uh, so if you'll check it out on our YouTube channel. But um yeah, like it's hard to articulate it. It's more, it's more a feeling for me, but it's 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 that magic dust which I think you brought up. Yeah, the the, the, the extra special magic dust part of the player is is the key, and you know, I mean, all these guys with the, with the high Hall of Fame rankings. Um, I don't think you can tell the story of rugby league with, with, without most of them. So so so, that, so that's a given for an immortal. But just that special quality, the in, indefinable quality of of, of uh, immortality. That's the thing about it. It is the most intangible, intangible known to man. And that's what pisses me off when I see these attempts to quantify it, saying, oh, uh, it should be, you know, one in 10 Hall of Famers is an immortal. They need to add an immortal every five years and, and rah, rah, rah. It's like, no, an immortal is announced when an immortal appears or is worthy. Like, if we don't get an immortal for 50 years, I'd be happy with that if there was no one befitting the label. Do you think this this last uh, mass batch of uh, of older immortals, which are well overdue, uh, has caused that feeling a little bit? I think there's something to that. As much as 
I, I kind of agreed with the way they did it at the time to install three black and white immortals at the same time, which I, I think that era was underrepresented. And as we'll get to a bit later, there's probably still a couple that should go in from that era. But installing five at once when you add the, the three black and whites plus, well, I guess Proven's black and white too, but the three pre-war plus Proven and Meninga, that does in a way make it less special if five can get installed at the same time. Yeah, that's what I was thinking myself. But um, just as an aside, how do you feel about Meninga now, you know, a few years down the track? Let, let's save that for a bit because I, I, I want to talk about the, the 13 Immortals we've got and a breakdown of mm-hmm. them that I've um, I've put together. Mm-hmm. Just I, I want to stay on this, this Stardust factor. A, a big one that came up during the week is the, the Sterling v. Kenny comparison. And I, I know you're a big Kenny booster. You had him, you know, very, very, very short, just short of immortality. You had Sterling mm-hmm. a bit lower. That got some some pushback online, people saying Sterling was the better player and people arguing that Sterling should be an immortal. This is this is the interesting thing. So ball in hand, I don't think there's anyone who would rather see Sterling than Kenny. Yeah. But it's hard to argue that Sterling didn't have the better career, wasn't the more decorated player, and was probably the better player overall. Like I, I think without Kenny, Parramatta probably still win you know, three to four of those premierships without Sterling. I don't know how true that is. Well, interesting you say that. I mean, I've had time to consider this discussion online with all the excellent points and everything, and I still think he's just short, Kenny. I don't think he gets there. But um, but the, the, the unfortunate part for Sterling is it's the style of play. The guy didn't have any zip, and um, he's just a magic organiser and a great halfback and great leader and everything like that. So his style of play hurts him in a mortal discussion, unfortunately. And is that just is that just the nature of the beast? Because if if that's the defining characteristic, then it's always going to be weighted towards certain positions, certain styles of player. And it is that hair on end, tell the grandkids, everyone in the stands on their feet as soon as they touch the ball, which not every great player is going to engender that, you know, visceral reaction to well i think i think you can you can even quantify it like this this uh indefinable uh intangible part of it is when they when they get the ball in their hands does your heart rate rise a little bit like and that could be even for paul gallon or um glenn lazarus or Mm. cameron smith for example it's like when joey got the ball it was like going over a bit of a bump in a roller coaster you're like oh here we go when when lewis got the ball when meninga got the ball it's like when john raper got the ball yeah, you know, we didn't see him. You know, so Gaznier, et cetera. So I think it's it's. Uh, I mean, Sterling had that as well, I suppose. But well, Joey's the interesting comparison because, like, Joey is in many respects an organizer. It was just he was so good at organizing that you marvelled at it. But he was just so good at everything. He, he was yeah. he was he, he was um, inventing kicks. He was smashing guys in defence. He was getting tries close to the line. So he did everything Sterling and Alfie did together. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. But the other thing I thought of is have changes to the game and, you know, changes to play longevity, all of these things. Have they changed the debate? If you look at Reg Gaznia, he played 127 games. Like we'll never see an immortal like that again. 
But if you look at the names coming up on our Twitter thread and, and the ones you know closest to the top or the ones considered next in line, they're almost exclusively 300 gamers. And, and you wonder if weight of achievement has overtaken that, you know, those pure intangibles in the immortal discussion. Well, this is going to be the argument for Smith. Is he an accumulator or is he an immortal? And and maybe in five years, my point, my my opinion will change on it. But I, I'm I'm trying to rate them on their, you know, on the feeling. And yeah, you know, of course, you take the achievements into it. But um, like Joey only won one and a half comps, and and um, and Thurston only won a couple. You know, yeah. Um, so of the thirteen immortals we've got, I did a little exercise uh, where I. Put them all in a table with two columns, Stardust and Compiler. So, so I thought I'd just one by one go through the Immortals. So I had Messenger as Stardust. I, I also, once I looked at Dally Messenger and Norm Proven, I had to add a third category of, which I've called Ornament. As in like, Dally Messenger, what that name signifies, the the way he legitimized Rugby League and got it going like I, I don't think rugby league gets going here as it did without someone like him agree the fact that 100 years later his name's on the the award i, I think dally messenger exists in this different category yeah i mean it, if your name's synonymous with the with the sport 110 years later you're uh you're pretty special yeah and he didn't have a long rugby league career so you couldn't put him in that compiler class so it's all stardust but then it's this extra thing and i think the same is true of proven who he's he's the only player i didn't put any any stardust to i think he's all compiler in that he you know won the 10 comps he was the the captain coach of the greatest team of all time for a number of years as a st george fan i i've you know he he is like i'm so glad that he's an immortal and i think he should be but without the trophy, I don't think he's an immortal. Yeah, but that's a special case. And again, it's it's, it's when it pops up. It's like uh, that's never going to pop up again, you would think. And yeah. I don't think anyone argues that Proven's uh, not an immortal. No. but so, so I think he and Messenger exist in this category outside of the main like qualifiers. Mm. If you look at Frank Burge, I think Stardust and Compiler, he had the records. He was you know, known as, as an incredible player. Uh, Dave Brown, same thing. Like, obviously, it's record upon record. You could argue that he is probably more compiler than Stardust, but he clearly had Stardust in spades. Churchill, the same, the Stardust and a long decorated career. Uh, Proven, we've discussed. Johnny Raper, same thing. I think he's got both. Reg Gaznier is probably the only one who is pure Stardust. Well, now bringing up this pure Stardust aspect, someone uh, wrote a comment. I didn't get the name, unfortunately, and, and I scoffed at the time. But it actually makes a bit of sense. Jared Hayne, if you're if you're talking about Stardust, this guy uh, he, he might have sprinkled it on the ground and spat on it, but he had Stardust in spades. <laughs> this is the I'm I'm really glad you brought you brought this up at this time because when I looked at the Immortals, I was like, oh, the the difference between Someone like um, Hayne or, or Greg Inglis. I, I think Hayne and Greg Inglis exist in, in a similar place where natural ability and 
what they could do with ball in hand, they should be, you know, the first in discussion for immortality. But for various reasons, they're not. And I think a big part of that is the the switching off factor. The you know, in Haynes' case, disappearing for seasons at a time. In Inglis's case, just kind of floating in or out of the play. And so I was thinking, well, all the immortals they they had they they were always in the game. But when yeah, you 100%. when you but when you think about the way people talk about Gaznia, you do get words like mercurial, and it seemed like obviously we never saw him play, but it seemed like he was a player who would you know, would be known to kind of sometimes hang back and it would just, the game would come to him at certain moments and he would take it away, but not someone who was in the thick of the action all the time. Well, maybe his 127 games or whatever his, his record was, maybe he didn't have time to sort of um, you know, go missing as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. The short, but, I mean, Inglis, uh, for the first few years of his career, was was considered almost a shoo-in as an immortal. Yeah. And it's a shame that we didn't get to see him at full ball the whole time. But No. Yeah, but I, I find that an interesting point because, yeah, those guys were pure stardust. And that's another way maybe the the criteria has changed. Like, can you get away with only showing up some of the time when you've got blokes like, you know, Thurston and Lockyer and and these blokes who you always knew they were there. You never forgot that Darren Lockyer was playing, you know? That's right. But... Well, I think I think I think impact on winning is is probably one of the biggest quantifiers. Is in Melbourne don't win without Cameron Smith, Newcastle don't win without Joey, Brisbane wouldn't have won the early years without Lockyer, and Australia in the Ashes and and. Did you mean Langer then for the early Queensland, early Brisbane? You said no, I, I meant I meant the early. Uh, so and um and and without Lockyer for the early Queensland uh, nine in a row, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, and Mal with early Canberra teams, you know. If you took Inglis and – I suppose Hayne had that as well. If you took Hayne out of Parramatta, they weren't much shot. But Inglis, if you took him out of sides, they could still play well type thing, you know. So Yeah. It's just hard to see a player now who isn't there all the time. And I think maybe that – if you look at the, the first lot, there's very few halves. So, so I mean, Fulton was centre 5'8". It's really not until you get to like Lewis and Johns that you're getting halves, you know, enshrined as immortals. And, you know, now the the next batch are almost exclusively halves. So it seems like something else has changed there in the way people talk about immortals. Well, I think immortality reflects the nature of the game. So I think if Brad Cladden didn't get injured, he would have been an immortal at lock. So yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's whoever's... It's whoever's um displaying immortality in the positions that are impacting the game, I suppose, at, at that era. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go through the rest of my list. So so Langlands and Fulton, both Stardust and Compiler. Beatson's an interesting one because he clearly had some Stardust. He had a long career. I'd argue he has... I've, I've put him in a very light shade of ornament just for the fact that, you know, his status as... Uh, an Aboriginal leader, his status as really getting state of origin going, uh, and everything that come that has come since. I think he there's there's a shade of ornament about his place in the game. I think he's even he's even higher in ornament now than, than when he went in. Um, you know the origin thing, etc. But 
a bit, here's another quantifier, asking old people, and I'm not even asking them, mentioning the player's name to an old person, and they straight away go, he was the greatest footballer I ever saw. Yeah. Like, a few, a few of my uncles would say that about Beetson. Mm. Like, he used to offload all the time. I was sort of like, calm down, like, you know, whatever. <laughs> but um, it's like it's the same way when someone asks me about Joey, if, when I'm 60, I'm going to say, is that the same thing? It's like you have to trust the people that were there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I, I think – Younger people, and maybe part of it is that we're getting a younger crop of like media people, like people even younger than us are now starting to really enter the discussion in a big way. And I mean, that's not only is it inevitable, inevitable, but it's it's a great thing to see happening. But at the same time, like I think there needs to be still respect for people who who have watched it all, you know. Well, I mean, uh, a guy I want to bring up later is Ron Coote because uh, I use his name every day in rhyming slang, but I, I never saw him play. It's like, how can I comment on him? It's, um, it's, it's. Uh, I, I don't want James Hooper running the Immortals. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mal's another funny one because I think he's almost all compiler. Um, as much as he did have that, like you know, Mal's got the ball. I'm, I'm interested now. It is without the four tours, without the huge success at Canberra. I I don't think we're talking about him as an immortal. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to disagree on that because um, he had he had the magic story as well. He had the, the takes care of takes care of the Brisbane comp. He, he's a king up there. Uh, the starts off Origin with the with the you know seven from seven or whatever it was. Goes all the way through to ninety four. Gets the tours. Saves us in in the nineteen ninety with that you know big long try. Um, comes back from the broken arms. He's a monster amongst boys at, at the time, and like he had that Hollywood story as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and his his Queensland teammate Wally Lewis, almost all stardust. Um, it, it's really hard for for a person who played most of his career in the BRL for people mm. in Sydney. And let let's be honest, like the Sydney comp like dominates the media, so it's really hard to kind of put achievements in the BRL into its proper context. So so for us, and the way that the story's being told, Wally Lewis is the guy who turns up three times a year and kills New South Wales and everyone hates him, you know. So it, it's almost... Well, all right. But let, let's, sorry to interrupt there, but let, let's speak about Sterling then. Sterling's playing uh, the best of the best in the Sydney comp, but he's not playing Lewis or Miles or Meninga winning those comps, the yeah, early comps. yeah. Yeah, true. So, I mean, yeah, you, you take something away there. Um, you wonder how, if, if like, Gene Miles is a great example because if you look at the way people talk about him, you know, not long after he retired, people were putting him above Mal. You know, a lot mm. of the greats of the game were, were saying, I'd, I'd take Gene Miles over Mal. He's almost entirely retreated from any kind of discussion about immortality. Like, I, I think he's, you know, in, in many ways, like, forgotten like especially among younger people like he's just not talked about for what a great center he was and how highly he was regarded at the time well it's also the uh change to the second row towards the last few years which t- takes a bit away as well yeah. like, like, like chris close was a great center and i only knew him as an overweight prop you know what yeah. i mean like um but it is a good prop too for that matter but um it's like when you when you change your position like that to a totally different one it's yeah. uh, it's a bit 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 weird um, Lewis as Wally Lewis as well also has an element of ornament. I mean, the fact that 
40 years after Origin started, he's still like state of origin personified, you know? Like there's something mythical about that. The fact that he's he's the name of the, you know, the best player, man of the series. It's not like the Lewis Fittler Award or something. It's just the Wally Lewis medal. Well, I'm going to be the first person in rugby league uh, discussion to, to shit on the abilities of Wally Lewis, but here we go. Uh, I suggest that he went missing a, a little bit towards the end of his career, especially. Do you mean his club career or, or origin? Club career. Yeah. Club career. So um, it proves that, uh, you know, the the intangibles can override a bit of, um, you know, poor form or something like that. Yeah. But again, you wonder if he'd gone, if he'd gone to Manly in 85 with Gene Miles like he was going to, is installed straight into a, a champion Manly team, probably gives him a, a, you know, a bit more legs than an expansion team that was very good but still green. You, yeah. you know, again, it comes into this, BRL versus New South Wales RL kind of thing, like where how do you weigh it up? Well, the first point I want to make there is can you imagine Arthurson's face when he thought he had them? <laughs> it would have been like the Cheshire cat. But, <laughs> but um, and then the face afterwards, he would have been calling Rothmans in tears. But, um, but that era, the BRL era is going to be hard to judge on and has been and then the Super League era is going to be hard to judge on because yeah. of obvious reasons uh, and, then, and then our last immortal Andrew Johns who I've put alone with Reg Gaznia as being all stardust like when, when you look at the number of games he played the, you know his rep games the rest of it like it's not that impressive the figures like his individual awards are great all the rest of it but it's so much of John's is just stardust. It's just like everyone watching him is going, oh, yeah, he is without doubt one of the greatest players of all time. I'm, um, you can always break it down to moments, though, in a, in, a, in a career that you've seen the whole lot of, right? Now, mm. the debut is magical. The um, comeback to origin mm. to, 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 to right the wrongs of the, um, of the perceived going missing in origin. That's a huge moment. Like you can break it down to key moments in the careers you've seen the whole way. And but for me, it was just every game this guy was carrying Newcastle on yeah. his back. <laughs> and that leads us to the, the the next crop, the contenders. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And Cameron Smith is... The, the reason we're talking about this now. So let's start with Cameron Smith. And I, I think the fact that there is no debate whatsoever about Cameron Smith kind of answers the question and is also maybe telling for some of the others. Like, is there, is there, I've, I don't think I've even seen anyone arguing that Cameron Smith is not an immortal. I mean, I've seen a few people argue it. Oh, really? Yeah, but I mean... Um... But it's the same as like I thought Lockyer was a definite immortal when he when when he retired. So Cameron Smith might go off the boil as well a little bit. So it's and the problem with him is he, he's he's not a flashy player. He's just a, he's just an amazing player. So but looking at it right now, uh, after he's uh, going to retire on the end of a comp, <laughs> he's uh, what sixth comp if you count the, the the funny money ones, which which you don't. The guy, but... 
Uh, well, I do actually, because like you know, it's. I'm happy for people to count it as an individual thing. Like, yep, he was on the field. He was captain when they won those premierships. Um, but I, and the thing about Smith is, I don't think he needs them on his record. He doesn't know, but it's. Um, but also, it wasn't just the comps; it was the being at the top of the top of the pops every year, yep. competing for the comp in the yeah. grand final, there, there, thereabouts. But, uh, but for me, for me, it's a guy who controls the game, and he controlled every game he was ever a part of. Yeah, the game played at his pace. He never got injured with the body of an accountant. The the, the well worn adage, and you make fifty tackles a game and control the pace and an outcome of a game. 450 times yeah. you're an immortal in my view yeah exactly and I, I thought you had an interesting comment during the week where like Cameron Smith in many ways is the ultimate compiler not a flashy player insane at like individual records like over 400 games um, you know 56 tests 40 odd origins whatever whatever the, the final tally was um, like insane individual stats but you made the argument that you think he's more than a compiler yeah it's for that reason it's the game 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 management and almost the the, uh the ability to make the right decision every time for 450 games (laughs) yeah it's it's insane the the one guy i'd like to hear his opinion on in 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 three four five years is joey and i think joey um is gonna is gonna rank him an immortal yeah yeah and and i think that's exactly right that is why you wait the the five years we're going to talk about, you know, I don't want to spend too much time weighing up the individual cases of, of all the players anyone's mentioned because, again, you're arguing about the merits of established greats of the game. I mean, it just comes down to almost this. It doesn't feel right. Yeah. It's like Mal feels right, just. The rest of them feel right. Uh, d- d- does Sterling feel right? Not not almost, but not, not there. So let, let's talk about your shortlist, which I, I'm almost – uh, entirely in agreement on. Uh, so you had Duncan Thompson as the next Oli to be installed. I'm I'm right with you there. Uh, I, I think and friend of the show Andrew Ferguson said it online during the week that the fact that he was still considered the best halfback to have played the game 70 years after he finished playing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what more evidence do you want? Yeah. Um, the Downs Fox uh, in in the top five nicknames of all time, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it it shouldn't come into it, but playing your whole career with a bullet sustained during the First World War, I mean, it's a compelling narrative, you know. Yeah, um, it was probably one of those ones that that, that could have been removed. He's like, no, nah, I've, I've got to go to work, you know. Like, but um, but like, let's bring up another name. Like, uh, Andrew Ferguson brought up the name Pony Holloway, mm. um, which I, I don't know too much about, except for what you've taught me, but. Um, and but Brian Bevan has got to be considered. The the funny thing about Bevan is, yes, he does because like that is an insane, like unbelievable, like individual record, you know. And anyone who saw him play was like, he's the ugliest person I've ever seen. I don't know why. <laughs> he, I don't know why he like was so good, but like no one could touch him, you know. Um, wasn't it, wasn't it described as like a bandaged up like an old draft horse or something? <laughs> yeah, that's not and then you, and you made the point: why do we have to insult his appearance every time we discuss him? <laughs> and we've done it again. But the thing about it is, if you do include Bevan, then suddenly you've got to include like you've got to consider 
uh, English football. And I just think it's already such a can of worms. It's already so hard to like weigh up these careers that how do you do that? Well, you aren't going to get an immortal from current English football. Like we aren't going to put Robbie Paul in the in the in the thing. You know, great player over there, but it was a weaker comp. But back then, he was playing in a strong stronger comp almost. Yeah, but how do you how do you quantify that? How do you say right? Bevan is a special case. We're including them, but we don't want to hear your arguments about you know Billy Boston, whoever you want to name. No, no. I mean, sure, hear them, but I mean. Um... Yeah, but but no one's going to be putting forward current players from Super yeah. League. You wouldn't think. Yeah, I, I mean, I. I but, but, but but then you got Ellery, so like you know, yeah. do you count Ellery? Yeah, well, you that's the, across both. But that's what I'm saying. Like his Australian career, as you know, mythical as it was, isn't anywhere near the standard needed to to get him to that level. Obviously, he's considered, if not the greatest English player, one of the very top handful of English players of all time. But I just think if you include Bevan, then you've got to have that discussion about Hanley and you've got to have a discussion about all these other blokes that, you know, I, I think it, it just needs to be kept separate. I don't think so. It's like it's rugby league. It's not the Australian rugby league. It's, it's. Um, I think definitely if you're good enough, you get in. Yeah, true. Like if, Sonny, if, Sonny, if Sonny Billard stayed um, and, and got better in rugby league, he'd be a candidate, you would think. But he would have done that by playing most of his career in the Australian League. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think judging on the old, like who was that guy that Rex Mosley thought was the hardest? Vince. Oh, Coralius. Yeah, so like, there's a guy that was um, worthy of worthy of the best player in the world in the fifties. You know, like yeah. So in that era, forties, fifties, sixties, whatever it was, even the seventies. The, the yeah, 80s, yeah. And then you got that. The, the French, uh, the French fullback as well was yeah, considered stardust personified. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you make a good point. And and when international football was at a high point, you know, maybe that's something we can, you know, like bring into the equation. So I, I'm at least consider them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, the the only other kind of post war or or black and white era player I want to talk about is Harold Horder, who was all stardust, had that reputation, considered the the you know, the best outside back for decades after he finished playing. Like, I think I think he and Thompson should go in. I can understand the argument for Bevan. That's kind of where I'd leave it in terms of, of the, the pre-war era. Well, let me let me ask you, like, why didn't Hordy go in this first lot? He's, all, he's almost an ornament stage himself. Yeah, it's it's funny. I don't know. I, I, thought, I thought he should have, so I, I can't answer that it, it was more like that i think they just said they want three and so three was the number that's the way i read it mm. but perhaps that that uh thompson and horder will go in next except at the at the um the last immortals induction greenberg seemed to suggest that this was shutting the book on that era as uh, as, as friend of me of the show Cody Dobbs once put eloquently, he's the emptiest of suits, Todd Greenberg. <laughs> so I think we can reverse that decision. <laughs> Let, let's get to the rest of your shortlist. So you had Cameron Smith as the next, uh, you know, current player to be installed. Obviously, after the five year waiting period, that was basically where you where you made the cutoff. So you you keep Lockyer short, Thurston short, uh, you know, Fitler. Sterlow, Alf. So why why do you restrict it just to Cameron Smith? 
Well, and again, I leave that open for five years of cooling off, but mm. um, I don't know. I just, I just don't feel it with the other ones. I mean, I mean, Kenny, I think he's just short on on compiling aspects, and you know, the the end of the career was a bit of a off the cliff, as as one of yeah. our listeners um put on on Twitter. But I mean, watching that eighty five game, um, Challenge Cup game, yeah, and then you know the, the classic highlights. It's just hard to. It's hard to forget him, you know. He's just so so good, but I just think he's just just doesn't feel right putting him in the same company as as the as the. We aren't talking about the best of the best. We're talking yeah. about the best of the best of the best. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but I think that shows that maybe the the parameters have changed because you need to have some element of compilation. Like you can't be all stardust now. What well, does it feel right to you? Like with him? No, and same, and for the exact same reasons. Like it, it he feels like the ultimate example of what you want out of an immortal, but you just feel the career is just short of immortality. Yeah. It's so weird that we're just going on gut feeling, but that's yeah. how you've got to do it, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think you make a good point that Lockyer was considered a shoo in when he retired, and now the debate has called. And that that's not you saying he's definitely not an immortal, but just acknowledging that the debate has changed and now what was considered a certainty isn't clear in everyone's minds. I can still remember him being he's just like MacGyver, getting getting teams out of like series losses like regularly. Yeah. yeah. Carrying Brisbane and the change from fullback to, to five eight to be, to become the best in both positions and uh and the class. The class was just there and I still remember that. I still I can still feel it. But I don't know, there's something about he's almost at Mal's level. I think Mal's probably the probably the bottom of the immortals yeah. list. I think he's almost at Mal's level, but not quite. It's so funny because I, you know, the way I think about him is just clinical, absolutely clinical, always put the ball in the right place, could just kill you. I'm talking about as a New South Wales fan, could just kill you yeah. time and time again, just effortlessly, you know, like it just, he never seemed to break a sweat. But you know, as everyone listening to this will know, I'm deep in the weeds with late 90s research at the moment. And just hearing about the way they're talking about young Lockyer, you know, like breakout year in 97, and he was considered like the ultimate excitement machine. Yeah. And like, I mean, his game changed when he moved to 5'8", but he certainly had any definition of X factor you could name. But let's not forget he was such a spindly little thing when he yeah. debuted at fullback yeah. too. It was like 78 kilos mm. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. My feelings on Lockyer is I... I he feels just short to me, but if he goes in, I'm, I'm like happy with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go protest in the streets if Lockyer becomes an immortal. Yeah. But, um, it, it, but it just just doesn't feel there. Yeah. Do, do you reckon his do, do, do reckon his commentary impacted that? <laughs> well, I, I don't know because it usually goes the other way. If you look at Brad Fittler, the day he retired, I don't think anyone was talking about him as being an immortal. I mean, I certainly didn't, no. didn't think he was anywhere near it, but the call has just got louder and louder and louder. And and this maybe has something to do with what I'm saying about the young crop of journalists coming through. Maybe people who, you know, remember him more from his East days than his Panthers days. It, it seems like he has grown in estimation 
uh, in terms of an immortal candidate. And I think that has something to do with him being so present in the press and now New South Wales coach. I think like it's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, but in the in the inverse, uh, I've, I've come to appreciate Gene Miles a lot more mm. after he retired. So it's like, but but you're kind of in the um, minority because I don't think I don't think his public estimation has grown in the way Brad Fitless has. True, true. But I mean, if you look at Fitless career, it's got all it ticks all the boxes, and, and the way he he moved from center to a, a game managing five eighth um, was magical, but. He really was. This is horrible thing to say, but a bit of a one-trick pony. Like the 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 step was a, was the, the the key to it, and the best step of all time, probably. But uh, if I think of him, I just think of him close to the line with that step, and you know, the decent kicking game and decent leadership. That's all I think. But about. but I also think he became like a brilliant organizer in in the back end of his career, yeah. like at, at the Roosters. He did. So I I think that I think there's some versatility there. I I prefer, and this goes again, to the intangible kind of element of the Immortals. I, I much prefer the, the kind of like the the, the running fitler of, of the earlier years, the kind of like, you know, the stepping, the, the rest of it, than the the kind of the, the grand old man of the Roosters years. Yeah. He's got the the storybook debut. He's got the, you know, the young man in the brilliant Blues origin teams. He's got all the, all the ticks, but I think he's fairly short. Yeah, I, I, I do as well. But, but yeah, that, that's just what I was saying, the fact that like, I think that was the the universal thought when he was when he retired, and now fifteen years on, he's like very close to the top of the list. The way people talk about it, yeah, not for me, but agreed. Thurston is is a really funny one because I remember like when he was playing, there were calls to enshrine him as an immortal before he even retired. You know, this was on his <laughs> you know the, the year long farewell tour of, of twenty eighteen. You know, and I, I don't think that was discussed at any serious level, but the fact that the 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 calls were being made just just tells you the way he was like instantly enshrined and then in only two years that has started to call a bit but you, you can't um you can't underestimate the knee jerk reaction of rugby league people yeah. I mean? like, <laughs> it's 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 ingrained you know you can't uh, you can't escape it but I think he's he's gone way off the boil to, in my in my view in, in discussions but looking back at his career I, I don't see him at the same level as Joey I just don't. I think he had too many like really bad Cowboys seasons, and I don't mean him personally. I mean the team. And he could argue that the you know the team around him wasn't good enough, and there's probably a lot of truth to that. But it still kind of diminishes him a bit when you see him like you know the Cowboys finishing last or second last, and he's there every week, you know, arguing at the the ref and being all frustrated about it. That that does yeah. kind of take away something from him. Is there something about finishing your career strong? Like Kenny started strong, middle strong, off the cliff, yeah, and then um, first started, you know, built up, built up, built up for a long through the middle of quite a few years, and then finished as like a grand old controller of the game. It's like, and you sort of remember that part of it. Mm. But Joey was Joey from literally the debut. Yeah. Do you think the Cowboys making the grand final without him, with a like pretty ordinary team in in twenty seventeen, kind of counts against him? Yeah, it shouldn't though, but it does. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that was sort of a miracle sort of thing. But um, but he was sort of, you know, he built that team as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's a shame for him, but yeah, <laughs> I think it does count against him. But I don't think it's his fault. See, to me, he's probably. The closest, like I'd put him closer than Lockyer, even. And would you? I, I would. Yeah, I put Lockyer closer than him, like because because Lockyer got it done more. Yeah, that, like, that's very true. First, 
I mean, uh, they were all part of the the big Queensland run, and and Thurston and Lockyer. But Cameron Smith was was uh, there the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and without Cameron Smith, I don't think that run happens. But they're, they're playing on a you know playing behind a good pack, so to speak. So yeah. I don't think that should count for as much. But um, the the last person I want to talk about is, is one who like came up again and again during the week in the debate, which, which is Alan Langer, who uh, I th- I think is a, a fair way short. I'd put him like maybe. Slightly above Fitler, but like in that same kind of group, a fair way short. But I, I do think like he's been kind of left out of the discussion in origin terms in particular, where it seemed like it's gone from Wally to, you know, the Lockyer and, and Thurston and Smith eras, where like Alfie like dominated the 90s. I think it's unfair to the maximum, and this is coming from a sticky fan. Uh, I put him above Thurston. Yeah, right. It's like, like he's decorated beyond beyond all belief. Like eighty seven, coming in as a child, like with a child's body, and and doing that at Origin, and then the Broncos, and then you know changing eras with the Broncos, and then coming back f- from England to win Origin, yeah, you know, yeah. all this sorts of stuff. Yeah, and, and and doing it with the with the body of like Alf from the TV show Alf. <laughs> uh, you know, what I think it, it, it actually hurt him. Mick is is the training. Yeah, I, I, was- I think it's sort of. Um, I was going to bring that up. Like he's just he's too present, but not in a in a way that lends itself to to gravitas. Like the fact that you see yeah. him like running water like every week during the season, like it, it just seems to like normalize him. I, I really respect that he does that, by the way, because he, he just does what he loves, and like well, that's the key to life, isn't it? Yeah, he's the happiest man. Yeah, alive, yeah, yeah. Seen, exactly. So, I've always yeah, said and, like um, he's he's the the inverse Mary. All Mary wanted to do was run the water. Like he was perfectly happy living that life, fell ass backwards into being the longest serving Dragons coach uh, and is now probably miserable. You know, like he, he just should have done the Alf. Um, I mean, we, I saw all of Alf's career pretty much. Um, bit young, but still saw it. And he, he had a few like, you know, Problems in his game. He wasn't the best organizer. Too, too um, much jinking. At the start a lot of jinking. Um, <laughs> and uh, but you know he invented the short kick almost. You know, like or at least at least re- at least redesigned the short mm. kick. That's um that's something to consider in, a, in a immortality debate. And and again, it kind of proves the point where we're like arguing these semantics about people everyone knows are great players. Like there just seems something self defeating about the exercise. It's actually it's actually um, obnoxious because we're talking about the faults of the top echelon of the Hall of Fame, yeah, yeah, of yeah. the hardest sport in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I, I know we've just spent an hour doing it, but like, but yeah, going forward, I, I want to like, I want the debate to be like, you know, Jason Stevens, Hall of Famer or not, you know, name any of these like fringe players that w- were very good to great, you know, like, why are we arguing about all time players? Can I bring one more one more into the d- debate? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it came up on the Twitter quite a fair bit from our older listeners, and um, they were adamant. Ron Coote, adamant they were. So, I mean, I, I never saw him play, obviously, and but I've heard the old guys talk about him like he was just short of John Raper. Well, that's the thing, and I, I think that kind of – that is what elevates him, but it's also what um, harms his case because I think when he came along – he just had that next raper uh, tag put on him, and like in all respects, lived up to it. Became one of the greats of the game, but like was kind of like 
this is just obviously I didn't see him, so I'm just going off the the perception was like not quite as good as Raper. And then so now when people like us are trying to make a case, you have to go like, okay, well, yeah, like he was a great player by all reports, but like if he, if he wasn't quite as good as this bloke, why is he going on the same level as him? Yeah, it's um, a bit of a shame then, isn't it? Because I mean, so so what was Ron Coote's style of play then? Well, that that's the thing. Like it, it it's just he's more talked about for the for the cover defense, which you know Raper gets talked about a lot, but Raper like always gets talked about as this all round genius. You know, like just putting blokes through yeah. holes and like just a, a relentless uh, competitive drive, uh, and and then obviously the the brilliant defense. Whereas I, I don't think Coot had that same reputation for just all-round genius. Right. Um, it's interesting. There's at least three or four listeners that chimed in on Twitter with that. Mm. So I thought it was, it was well worth a discussion at least. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... I wonder if his if his rhyming slang uh, edition <laughs> has kept him in the in, in the minds of people. I, as well, I think but... it has, yeah. Like I, I think it's what this discussion has shown is that there are all these factors outside of pure footballing talent that can help or hinder your case. Well, in that case, we should be discussing Stan Gerb. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, this was just a, an impromptu. Uh, chance to to get all of this off our chest. Do you have anything else to say about the immortals? No, except I, re- I really love talking about it. I love the online discussion, and I love the um, this discussion. It's just such a interesting topic. It all comes it all comes down to fairy dust, yeah. and we've just wasted our time again for now. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure there'll once again be a lot of strong reaction to what we've talked about. So by all means, tell us why we're wrong. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, email. You know the drill. Just as we finish, uh, I want to give everyone an update about what we have got going on. So uh, this will be the last time you hear from us in 2020. I delivered to your inbox yesterday, Andy, the first research dossier for Season 2 of the Super League War. So uh, we're going really hard at it. Um, It's coming along so nicely. I'm really pumped for the next season. Uh, But the, the rest of this year will be devoted to getting that ready. Yes, I'm very happy. I received the diplomatic pouch, and um, and unfortunately, I need a quantum computer to open up the size of this file. But we'll see how we go. And, and this is one of the thinner ones you'll get over the, the course of the next couple of months. So, <laughs> so be ready, guys. I can't tell you. I, I, I've seen the research as it was being compiled, and you will not believe uh, this season is going to like exceed season one. It's it's incredible stories. We've we've got some really great stuff uh coming in season two. So uh thank you for all your support uh over the last couple of years. Uh so we will be back mid January with the first chapter of season two of the Super League War. So uh from me I just want to thank you all again and and have a good rest of 2020. And thank you mate again for providing us with all this great info and listeners out there please introduce your friends and family you think might like it whether it's youtube or the um or the podcast uh our community is growing every week still and we have the, you know, the coolest discussions about football which we all love yeah exactly so uh thank you andy and we will see, speak to you next year cheers
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.